and welcome to the Bottom Up Podcast. I'm Mike Parsons and I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Qualitans and this is our fourth installment of a fantastic case study diving deep into the world of Revolut. Uh, some might call them the Amazon of banking and so far we've looked at three parts of their business, the product, the people and the promotion and there's a ton of learnings uh, that we can take from them. Most of them good. They've obviously had some challenges on the people and the culture side of things. But the real question is, does this all add up? Do the dollars and cents really come together uh, to make this a profitable business and a business that can do really well in the long term? Uh, I've collected a few insights here that are all taken from our case study that you can get on bottomup.io. You can get it all for free. It's a total deep dive for an hour on all the learnings, all the inspiration that we can take uh, from Revolut. They've done some pretty crazy things, probably their biggest achievement so far, apart from raising a lot of money and being valued at over 5 billion, is that they've generated over 10 million customers in five years. And they've largely done that uh, without much paid advertising at all. So we're looking at a pretty interesting business from a profit sense. So let's dive now into just a few key thoughts that we've discovered about how they build their business and how it all adds up. I'm going to give you three big ideas on how they make money, how their profit model looks, and some of the thinking behind it. Thought number one, this is the big one. Uh, they have removed the middleman from their banking infrastructure. So what do we mean by that? Well, if you look at the traditional bank, uh, over the last 10 or 20 years, they have accumulated tens, and wait for this, sometimes hundreds of services from different technology providers, right from login, authentication, uh, fraud detection, you name it. So when they deliver to you, let's say three or four uh, services uh, or products, let's say a checking account, uh, a loan of some sort, maybe a stock account, et cetera, et cetera. It takes them like series of um, vendors and data sets and services to integrate and to sort of I don't know, band-aid almost sometimes together and deliver to you. What happens over time is when you keep patching in all these different third parties, the system gets heavier, it gets bogged down. And um, this has been actually a massive problem for the folks that are in the banking world because the infrastructure becomes so heavy, you can't move fast. In fact, uh, if you have a look at the case study at bottomup.io, we found this study from Freedom, and they're basically saying that almost half of the banks that they surveyed named their legacy system as the biggest blocker to them actually growing as a business. So it wasn't a sales problem, but it wasn't a marketing or a brand problem. They're literally strangled by their leg legacy infrastructure. Now, what's really interesting here is that Revolut have decided not to be dependent on third parties. And what's particularly interesting about this is that many other neobanks have not made this decision. So what is really special about Revolut is they're one of the few that have doubled down and said, all in, we're going to build it all ourselves. We're going to provide all of the services. So it's not just a checking account. 
and we're going to build this, craft this together. Now, there's two parts to this story. First, I want to give you a little quote from Nicholas Stranowski, and I'm going to read to you what he has said about this, and then we're going to unpack it. Okay, this is what he said about their long-term business model. Effectively, when you run all of the infrastructure in-house, you can actually make money out of this business, and the business becomes quite profitable. So that's Stranowski, CEO and founder of Revolut. And what he's really saying here is that once they've built their own uh, infrastructure, and I, I think you've got to remember, that's a lot of capital investment in the upfront. That's why they've raised so much money, over $800 million. But they're building all this infrastructure. And what happens is because they've built it, they don't have... Uh, very many third-party dependencies, both either in terms of technology or in terms of pricing. So what happens is that as they introduce these new services and as they have the network effect, they get more and more customers, they're actually making more money than their competitors do because they can move faster and they're actually got less cost per transaction. So this is a really powerful idea. It is a risky idea. It is a bold idea because you're effectively saying, we're going to go all in. We're going to build it all ourselves. And for a lot, I would say majority of banks, this is too big of a risk. But in this case, Revolut have taken a huge risk and they're going out in the world and delivering a full range of services on infrastructure that largely has been built by themselves. And if you go back to the uh, product uh, episode, of the show, you'll remember that I dove into a special case of where they built their own feature for uh, card fraud detection. And you, if you go back to that episode, you can hear how we break that down and look at what they've done and some of the economics behind it. Again, if you are interested, jump over to bottomup.io and have a look at the, the full case study. It's, it's pretty cool. Okay, so that was idea number one. They've removed the middleman. They've done this vertical integration or a to Z or end to end. There's a lot of different ways people call this. But the point is this, is that they've, they're doing a, a build versus buy strategy. But number two is that they're way more than just a savings account. So the crazy thing is if you have a look at all the different products that they're offering within their one unique experience, you've got subscriptions, you've got um, opportunity to make money on transaction fees, uh, money transfers internationally, perks, insurance, trading, Ah, oh, loans, overdrafts, business accounts, it goes on and on. So what you can see, idea number one, they've built the stack, they've removed the middleman. Now they're just offering more and more things on top of that stack. They're making more and more money. And that's a lot of good revenue in those products. The other thing that gets really interesting here is that they can offer more products more quickly because they control their own stack. They're moving at great speed. And then they get the network effect. People like them because they're more than just a checking account or a savings account. So more people get on, they make more money, so they invest more to make more features, so more people get on. And this is a classic network effect and you'll start to see some, some really exponential growth characteristics as they get a full set of services across all markets. To give you an example right now, they've only just started a very basic offering in the US. So this is early days uh, for them, and I think there's a lot more growth in store for the company. Okay, so that's the first two ideas. They removed the middleman, and they got a multiple of products and services that they offer across the platform. I think the other really powerful thing that generates a lot of money, generates a lot of positive business growth for them, is their premium membership. Now, what you've got to remember 
is that most banks try and uh, charge you a form of membership fee uh, through all of these sort of indirect subtle fees. So when you when you bring your currency from US to 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 the English uh, pound, um, they'll get you uh, a few extra points. So it won't even be the best price in the market for that transfer. That's how your your bank will make money on your international transfers. Additionally, you'll get charged just for the privilege of having an account open for a dollar and you get nothing special for that. That's just for the basic product. The difference here is what Revolut has done is they've created a ton of perks and value adds so that people are quite happy to spend 10 bucks a month to be part of it. And I think the point here is that they made a shift from trying to like, you know, death of a thousand cuts where we'll grab a little bit of money there and a little bit of money there. They were just like, you can come in and get the, the basic model at no charge and we'll try and upsell you into a real premium service. So what's really interesting is being very explicit about it, having a, a very clear value against this premium version, um, you find that customers are very happy with that and you're not trying to like sneakily grab money from them. But here, here's some of the things you can get for your 10 a month. You can spend in um, over 110 currencies. I don't know who on earth needs 110, but you can. Um, unlimited exchanges on the 27 fiat currencies, um, you know, global express delivery, uh, lounge access. I'm sure you get a back massage somewhere. A ton of good stuff. If you want all of that, if that rings your bell, you can pay 10, uh, 10 bucks a month and it's all yours. So here again, what we see is a different approach uh, in the business model behind Revolut and Look, if the first two didn't get you, they have so many premium members, uh, which has been a huge struggle of most traditional banks. I mean, they're already off to a a good start there. So that's three ideas around uh, the business or the profit, as we call it at bottom up, uh, side of Revolut. So three ideas, no more middleman, more than a savings account and premium membership. These are the drivers to the economic engine. I think what's really special about this is it creates network effects. Uh, And that's the idea that when one customer gets on a service, the service gets better for the other customers. Airbnb, uh, Uber also have a similar characteristic. I really like this as a business. I like it because it's based in simplicity. It's based in removing traditional barriers. And um, hey, listen, the numbers tell the story. 10 million customers that they started with zero five years ago, they're at 10 million right now, 10 million, ladies and gentlemen. And they've only just got started in the US. So you can imagine that this thing is really going to the moon. So there you have it. This brings us to the end of our four-part series on Revolut. It's been a great case study. Um, It is the second case study we've done on bottomup.io. We've also done uh, a great one on WeWork, which is really instructional. Uh, It might even be time soon to go back to to WeWork. There seems to be uh, more trouble Therefore, for WeWork, the question being, what can we learn? But before we get to another one on WeWork, we're going to do another case study. I'm actually working on this one right now. It's on Zoom video to study the business, the people, the product, the profit and the promotion. Like, how have they built this company? It was doing very well pre-COVID. It's doing better after it. So who, who can imagine what goodies are in store for us on that one? I want to thank you for joining us here at the Bottom Up Podcast. If you'd like to know more, go to bottomup.io. It's been great to have you on this case study for Revolut, the Amazon of banking.